Well, good evening, ladies. God bless you all this evening. You may be seated. And we're going to get right into the word this evening. Our message tonight is entitled Brave Heart. Now, I heard one of the guys around here was teasing us gals about if we were going to wear kilts. And I said, well, it's not that kind of brave heart, because I said before there was ever a man wearing kilts, there was a woman who was brave and courageous, and she got the job done. And that's what we're talking about tonight. And we are those women. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. We're the brave ones. We're the courageous ones. And so we're going to get right in the word. If you have a Bible, if you'll turn to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 25. And we're going to read there some verses uh, and kind of work through this, this story of a brave woman of God. You know, she was brave in her time, and she had to deal with some really difficult circumstances. But you know what? God was with her. She honored God. She honored the Lord in her dealings with the uh, situations she found herself in and the difficult circumstances she found herself in. Because, you know, sometimes in life we're trucking along, everything's going really good, and, and things are kind of the status quo, and then all of a sudden something comes up in our lives, and it's a challenge. And it may not even be, you know, an average challenge. It may be a really big challenge. But you know what? God has given us the tools we need to stand that test and to be courageous and to be strong and to get through it and have victory and have the blessing of God and no worries, no concerns, no trouble added to it. So if you have a Bible, let's turn there. And I'm actually going to be reading uh, as an introduction the first 13 verses. And then we're going to pick up uh, with Jessica in our first point, and she'll read the next section. So that way we're kind of working through this together as we work through our points. So 1 Samuel and the Old Testament and uh, chapter 25 and beginning in verse 1 says, Now Samuel died. And all Israel assembled and mourned for him. So that was the prophet Samuel that had passed away. And they buried him at his home in Ramah. Then David moved down into the desert of Maon. And David, by this time, he'd already killed the giant Goliath. And he'd already had his skirmishes with Saul. And King Saul was chasing him, trying to kill David because he was jealous of him. And, and so David was kind of on the run. He was in the desert with all his mighty men. And so this is where uh, we pick up here at, in 1 Samuel. David moved down into the desert of Man. A certain man in Man who had property there at Carmel was very wealthy. Say very wealthy. He had a thousand goats and three thousand sheep, which he was shearing in Carmel. His name was Nabal. Say Nabal. And his wife's name was Abigail. Say Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman. Say intelligent and beautiful, just like me. Say, just like me. But her husband, a Calebite, was surly and mean. Say, surly and mean in his dealings. While David was in the desert, he heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. So he sent ten young men and said to them, Go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name. Say to him, Long life to you, good health to you and your household, and good health to all that is yours. Now I hear it is sheep shearing time. When your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them, and the whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. 
Ask your own servants, and they will tell you. Therefore, be favorable toward my young men, since we come at a festive time. Please give your servants and your son David whatever you can find for them. When David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message in David's name. Then they waited. Nabal answered David's servants, Who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered for my shears and give it to men coming from who knows where? David's men turned around and went back. When they arrived, they reported every word. David said to his men, put on your swords. So they put on their swords and David put on his. About 400 men, say 400 went up with David while 200 stayed with the supplies. So uh, we find a situation here brewing. And so David, you know, when, and when Nabal's response came back to David, you can imagine how insulting, because everybody, as we go work through this chapter, we're going to find out everybody knew who David was. They'd been, you know, everybody had been talking about this. And anybody traveling would tell people about David and how he slew Goliath and how King Saul was after David and everybody knew. But this Nabal boy, and then too, we have to understand the context of the time, the history and the customs in the Middle East. They were, when it was like a, a, a harvest time or sheep shearing time, any travelers, any people that came along because it was a festive time and there was plenty of, you know, meat and there was plenty of, that they, they would uh, take care of people. People. And they would take care of people like David and his men because they'd been a blessing, they'd been a help, they'd been protecting the sheep herders and the sheep out there in the desert. And so Nabal's response really went down wrong. It really did. So we're talking tonight about being a woman of courage, a woman who is brave hearted. You know, you've got to decide in advance, I think, nowadays, if you're going to be that brave hearted girl and to have the courage of the Lord in your heart. You know, my daughter, Christina, told me, Mom, don't have all these Post-it notes. Nobody does this. They're going to start flying all over the place. So if you see bits of paper flying, that's me and my Post-its. Sorry. Uh, but I'm brave enough to handle it. I'm good. So we have to encourage ourselves that as we're going through life, when circumstances come up and they're challenging, they're difficult, perhaps in the natural, they're scary, that we're going to be brave, we're going to be courageous, and we're going to be that brave-hearted girl. And we're going to stand because we know we don't stand alone. We know the Lord is with us. And when we stand with God, who can stand against us? So we're going to be talking about this in this message. So Jessica, what's our first point this evening? Uh, point number one, Abigail was a brave-hearted mm. woman. Uh, she faced her circumstances with courage. So let's read 1 Samuel 25, 14 through 19. One of the servants told Nabal's wife, Abigail, David sent messengers from the desert to give our master his greetings, but he hurled insults at them. Yet these men were good, very good to us. They did not mistreat us, and the whole time we were out in the fields near them, nothing was missing. Night and day they were a wall around us all the time we were herding our sheep near them. Now think it over and see what you can do because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. Abigail lost no time. I like that. 
part. She lost no time. She, she wasn't lost just sitting no there. Time. So remember, Jessica's point is Abigail is this brave-hearted woman. But notice when when the situation is brought to her, it comes to her attention. The servants tell her she lost no time. Mm -hmm. uh, verse eighteen: Abigail lost no time. She took two hundred loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five seahs of roasted grain. 100 cakes of raisins and 200 cakes of pressed figs and loaded them on donkeys. Then she told her servants, go on ahead, I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal. Okay, now let's pause here a second and talk about this gal. Because notice she knows the kind of husband she has. Mm -hmm. So she's trying to avert a tragedy, a real tragedy, because David coming with 400 of his mighty men, they would have killed every male. In her household, among the servants, they would have killed every male. And so she is, doing, she is being courageous, and then not only courageous, but then what else? Uh, well, she, she was being wise and using common sense. Like, when I read that part, um, Abigail lost no time, it made me think of recently at one of Samuel's baseball games, I looked over, you know, two seconds, Emily is standing, my, my two-year-old, standing in an ant pile. Of course. So I grab her and I just take off her shoes, take off her socks, like, you know, you, you can't just stall and wait, no, you, you know, wait. you've got to check everything. So yes. uh, thankfully it wasn't upper legs where I did, like, take right. off her shorts, but I would have if I needed to, you know, you're just trying to get, a, so you just got to act quick and you know, people would say it's instinct, but it's the Holy Spirit, too, yes. within us, giving us wisdom yes. and how to act quickly and not lose any time. So uh, Abigail faced her circumstances with wisdom and common sense. And so let's read verses 20 through 25. As she came riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, there were David and his men descending toward her, and she met them. David had just said, it's been useless all my watching over this fellow's property in the desert so that nothing of his was missing. He has paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David, be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to him. So yeah, like you said, he was planning to kill all the yes. male of her, the men of her household. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey. Again, she's quick. She's quick. <laughs> she's she quick. This got is up. a quick lady. She's yeah. a quick thinker. She's courageous. And she has wisdom. Yes. And she, she has some understanding. Yes, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, My Lord, let the blame be on me alone. Please let your servant speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. May my Lord pay no attention to that wicked man, Nabal. He is just like his name. His name is fool, and folly goes with him. But as for me, your servant, I did not see the men my master sent. So she, uh, you know, she takes the blame quickly, which is not what people would do typically. So she takes the blame. Mm -hmm. So let's let's pause on that because that is so important. She takes responsibility for the situation because she's going to take control. It's a it's a really, well, it's more than a negative situation. It's like right. a dangerous situation. And she's going to take control of the situation by taking responsibility. And in our culture today, we really uh, find that to be rare because yes. nobody wants to take responsibility when something is bad happens or there's a mistake or something gets broken or, um, you know, worse. Right. Uh, so, but by taking responsibility, she deflected 
uh, David's attention to herself. Right, yeah, well, and then, like, fixing problems, you have to first address where it started. You know, like, you have to have, exactly. you have to understand the problem. So she just addresses it, and she's like, okay, I'm trying to fix it. That's right. what she's telling them, like, I know there's a problem, I'm going to fix it. Right, and, and notice she's honest, mm. because she, ad she admits, she says, my, may my Lord pay no attention to that wicked man, Nabal. She, she knows her husband's wicked. Everybody knows this. The servants know this. David knows this now. The mighty men with him know this. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but she says he's just like his name. His name is fool and folly goes with him. So she's just being honest. She's not trying to be like derogatory toward her husband. She's just admitting that her husband uh, is this kind of a man. Right, yeah, and, you know, she, she was, it doesn't say specifically in this passage about the Holy Spirit, but she was listening quick and acting quick. Right, and, right. Um, Pastor, this past Wednesday night was talking about situations where he uh, had listened to the Holy Spirit and took action, and it made me think of, I don't think I've told this story on a girl talk, but when I was a junior in college, um, Doing mechanical engineering, typically you apply for internships between your junior and senior year. Right. And I was applying, and I got an interview with a company, and they were kind of what I wanted. They did military contracts, and I liked that. And so I went to the interview, and it was a really thorough interview to where they did personality tests and everything. And um, at the end, they're like, well, this would be your supervisor's boss. And I met him, and right away I knew this is not the place for me. Mm. I just knew. I was, mm -hmm. There wasn't a question about it, mm -hmm. and so I finished the interview nicely. I went home, because Austin and I had been married a year at this point, and I told him, I was like, that's not the right place. Mm -hmm. And he said, okay. He said, well, the right one, God has the right one for you. Yes. And so it, it was an interesting situation, because I had nothing else lined up. Right. But I was just like, Lord, I trust you that you put that the Holy Spirit in me and told me that this is not the right place for me, then you've got the right thing lined up, which he did. Yes. So pa pause right there, because okay. I hope you young girls are listening. Don't take something just because it's the first thing or the only thing that's been offered, whether mm -hmm. it's a job mm -hmm. or a date. Right. Got me? Because yes. say again what you just said. Because well, God had the right thing lined up. God has the right thing lined up. Say this. Say, God has, God has the, right thing the right thing lined up for me. Up for me. If you're not married and you want a spouse, say, God has, God has the, right the right spouse lined up, lined up for, me. for me. Okay? So you don't settle. You don't take something just because you have nothing else at the moment. Because... Right. Say that again. God, I don't know how to say it the first time. God has the right thing lined up for me. God has the right thing lined up for me. Let's all say that. This is so important. Say, God has, God has the right thing, the right thing lined, up lined up for me. That is so important. And I think I did a message years and years ago um, for the ladies uh, in our first building. And I said, there has to be a void. Yes. And you have to let there be a void for God to fill it. If you fill it yourself, you filled it. But then it may not be what you really want, and it may not be God. Well, you so, don't leave room for God. You don't leave room for God if you fill the void. Mm -hmm. So trust God. Yes, and 
So the internship I did get was the one who offered me a job. So I had a, a job lined up my whole senior year, just waiting to finish school so I could go work there. But um, it was funny, the first company called me. When I turned it down, they had another person call me back and say, why did you turn us down? And I, I didn't say, like, so-and-so's a creep. I didn't want to work for him. <laughs> I just said, I just said, well, I don't think it was the right job for me. Right. You know, so I didn't burn bridges with anyone. I didn't tear anyone down. So but. that's so important. Let's pause. Okay. And yes, I, I did have too much caffeine today. <laughs> I'm good. Say, say what you just said. About oh, no, the I keep getting quizzed. <laughs> what did I say? About the creep. Oh, I didn't... Uh, burn bridges. I didn't burn bridges. Oh, I didn't put anyone down. What did I say? <laughs> <laughs> say this after me. Okay. God doesn't have, God doesn't have a creep for me. Oh. <laughs> I don't need to work for one. And I don't need to date one. And I sure... And I sure... I was going to say sure as hell, but let's not... Let's <laughs> I sure don't need to marry one. Okay. All right. Tomorrow I do need a small coffee. <laughs> anyway, it's girl talk, right? It's Mother's Day weekend. We're going to have fun uh, while we're here together. There's no men that wonder why we're not wearing kilts tonight talking about Braveheart. Isn't that silly? Okay, so go ahead. Well, yeah, creeps, I mean, I, I've had, I, at that point, I've had enough work experience to know that creeps don't change yes. unless they, you know, accept God. So I right. just knew, I was like, I don't, and I was, I was 21, you know, I already knew. I don't want to spend my time being yeah. around this guy. Um, so yeah, I just, I kept applying and the right one came up and it was exactly what I wanted with the company that, if you said pick a company, that was it. So. Yes. It was the right thing. So. And thankfully, Austin was on the same page and said, okay, yes. <laughs> God's yeah. got it. So uh, that's that quick thinking like Abigail has that just trusting the Holy Spirit and knowing that I'm doing the right thing. God's got me. So uh, she faced her circumstances with righteousness, relying on the Lord. Yeah. Let's read 26 through 31. Now, since the Lord has kept you, my master, from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, may your enemies and all who intend to harm my master be like Nabal. And let this gift which your servant has brought to my master be given to the men who follows you. Please forgive your servant's offense. Like she's even asking for forgiveness. Yes. Even though it wasn't hers. She's she asked, knew it was her household. She's asking for forgiveness. She's taking responsibility for her husband's, let's call it rudeness. Mm -hmm. It was more than that, but um, she's, she's asking forgiveness. Yes, she says in verse 28, Please forgive your servant's offense, for the Lord will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my master, because he fights the Lord's battles, which is, you know, that's what we should be doing, fighting the Lord's battles, right. not earthly matters that don't matter. Because right. Austin and I recently had this conversation about um, someone... Uh, whose son is lost, and I said, Austin, that's, that's all that matters is right. his soul. Right. And out of all the things, that's what matters. So he's, you know, praying up because he's going to meet this young man again soon, and so that's all that matters, the Lord's battles. 
Let no wrongdoing be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my master will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies will he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. When the Lord has done for my master every good thing he promised concerning him and has appointed him leader over Israel, my master will not have on his conscience the staggering burdens of needless bloodshed or of having avenged himself. And when the Lord has brought my master success, remember your servant. So she just relied on the Lord. She really did. So she's, you know, giving God honor. She's making uh, God a part of this whole situation by honoring the Lord and um, letting David know that she knows the Lord and she knows what's right and she's going to do right and she's going to stand in the gap here. And David did mm -hmm. honor that, didn't he? Mm -hmm. So Christina, what's next? What's our point number two? Let's not be afraid of the circumstances that life brings or the faces of people. Let's be women of courage and brave-hearted girls. So we're going to move on and talk about how to be a girl of good judgment. And we'll continue reading in 1 Samuel 25 and verse 32. David said to Abigail, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. Then David accepted from her hand what she had brought him and said, go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your request. So notice what David, David says to Abigail there. He says, may you be blessed for your good judgment. So he saw that she had good judgment. Yes, and be a girl of, of good judgment and be quick in your actions. Right. So I think sometimes we hesitate. Maybe it's dating a creep. Maybe it's in a job where we've stayed too long. Or maybe it's uh, something that you're going through right now in your personal life. And you, you think, I've, I'm taking too long. Right. Have quick and good judgment. And the only way that we can have that is by being prayed up. Right. in the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. so that when he speaks to us, we're able to listen. And uh, sometimes you just have to spend more time in prayer. And if you don't know how to pray, pray in the Spirit. Yes. And if there is something, whether it's physical, whether it's a relationship, what, and it, it, there's just something going on in your life, you just have to stay prayed up. So Pray, that in yes. that moment, you are quick in how to react yes. and in your thinking. And prayed up in conjunction with being in the Word, so that you're you're building yourself up spiritually, you're reading the Word every day, because the Holy Spirit will guide you to passages you should be reading, whether it's in the Psalms, whether it's an account of Jesus healing someone in the New Testament, whatever it is, you know, and like Pastor is always saying, and he's so correct, if you do the daily Bible reading, then you're always reading through the Bible, and then, you know, when you face a circumstance, the Holy Spirit, because you're praying also, will guide and direct you to just that passage that you need uh, to encourage yourself with in the Lord and maybe quote to the Lord saying, Lord, this is what I'm standing on. I thank you. It's done in Jesus' name. And your answer can always be in a service as well. Yes. Whether it's pastor, Austin, or teaching our young people that when Aaron speaks, their answer could be in a service. Always. So always. it's important to stay prayed up, but also in church. Yes. 
Yes, and it's, there's no substitute for it. There's, there's no a way to get around that. If you want to have the, the counsel of the Holy Spirit, because the Bible calls him our comforter, but it also calls him our counselor. If you want to have his counsel, then you've got to be in tune. And in order to hear his still small voice, you've got to have those quiet times, even if it's in your car by yourself driving, but you've got to have those quiet times where you're, you're meditating on scriptures, you're talking to the Lord, you're praying, you're praying in the spirit, especially when you don't know how to pray or if you're con really concerned about something, to bring that presence of the Holy Spirit, the comforter and your, the counselor into that car with you or into wherever you're at, making those decisions and knowing what to do. And point number two is use the wisdom of the Lord in dealing with people. Pray and look to God's word before speaking. And that can be a hard one. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's about not reacting. Yes. yes. And not reacting in the moment with not good judgment. Right. Well, and the people who are like that, they want a reaction out of you. Yes. And it irritates them if you don't react. Right. And they're like, <laughs> and you know, sometimes uh, I've just learned to not say anything in the moment and then to pray about it and think through, you know, how to handle that situation, yeah. the best way to communicate. And you can't change anyone. No. The only no. person who can change someone is the Lord. And so all you can do is have good judgment and how to deal with that person and then pray for them that God moves in the, on their heart, moves in that situation. Mm -hmm. Or even if they if they need to come to Christ, or if they need to repent, or just change their actions or their words, only He can do that. But right. girls, don't spend your whole life thinking that you're going to change a man because you're not, and that's just not going to happen. So pause right there because did Abigail's actions change her husband Nabal? No, they did not. But her actions changed her circumstances yes. for the better. And so this is very important. Say that again about how we can't change someone else. We can't change someone else. And that is the hardest thing. Even if we think, you know what, I'll love them more. I will give more of myself to that person. I'll do more for them. I'll hug them more. I'll encourage them more. I'll bake them more pies, you know? I mean, as much as you want that person to change or to love you more or treat you with more respect, you can't win them over. They are who they are. Only Jesus can do a work in their life. Yeah. Which brings us to another facet of that, and that is the Lord has to be the lover of your soul. Yes. If Jesus is the lover of your soul, then, hey, for all of you married women out there, you know what I am about to say is true. Husbands are wonderful, but they are husbands. And what that means is they are not always in tune with what we would like. And I need to hear at least one or two amens. Amen. Okay, see, I knew it. So, uh, you know what? If we look to this person, our kids, our husband, our, our you know, co-workers, if we look to people to validate us, to make us feel good, to build us up, then we're going to always end up being disappointed, always. But if we're looking to the Lord, we're spending time with him, 
we're allowing Jesus truly to be the lover of our souls, then we're going to be working and ministering and uh, interacting with the people around us from a full cup, not a depleted cup, waiting for people to give us that pat on the back. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yes. <clears throat> Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Um, something else that we wanted to discuss tonight was how to speak to your teenagers and deal with difficult issues. So I would say be a girl of good judgment, mm -hmm. and you know your child better than anyone else. And we had a lot of questions after the February Girl Talk about, well, what about my teenagers? Good luck to you. Um, <laughs> I mean, I know that I gave my parents a difficult time. Um, more so than Austin in the teenage years, Austin's time came at the end of his teens and in the early 20s, and then God blessed him with a good woman, and you know, amen for Pastor Sue praying on her hands and knees for him. <laughs> but, um, you know, I would say that with teenagers, you look them in the eye, and you speak to them, and you love them, but you cannot always be their friend. You have to be the parent. Yes. So I would say that if there is an influence in their lives, if there's someone whispering in their ear, trying to uh, change them, it could be a friend, it could be a boyfriend or girlfriend, it could be an adult. Um, it could be the influence of who they're ever, who they're talking to on social media. Yeah, that's all. That yeah, that's a whole thing. Um, but you know, and so sometimes you have to sever that relationship. Yeah. Or, you know, a pastor's always saying that your home is a place of peace, so you don't invite the devil in. Right. And then sometimes there are people that you just have to limit contact with, so you keep your peace, and your yes. children keep their peace. And with teenagers, you can use things like if they have cell phones, cars, um, the access to those things, and it's your home and you're paying for it. You take those things away, and you use that as a way to say, I expect this. I expect this is how you're going to act, talk to me, treat me, and if not, you will lose those privileges. Right. And you're in control. And I would say social media, you limit that social media until they are graduated from high school. There are more girls than ever, and boys, dealing with eating disorders and depression and substance abuse and cutting, and it's a spirit and it's demonic, yes. and they have access to a world of pornography more than ever. And I would say that it invites spirits into young people's lives, and they don't post it like, oh, here's my toddler that drew all over my floor today, but they're looking at things, and my husband and what he does at work, they have social media accounts that they use to um, look into uh, backgrounds when they're about to do a sting operation, and you would not believe the amount of men that send inappropriate photos to these young girls sometimes that they use for these stings. I mean, he says if they create a new profile within 10 seconds, there's dozens of inappropriate photos being sent where it makes them physically ill to run these operations. I mean, don't do it. Let them be children, let them be innocent, let them be teenagers, and limit when you're going to start that. And then teach them how to use those tools because as much as you want to keep them protected where they don't have any access, that's just not going to happen in our world today. They have to be taught how to use technology right. and how to use it appropriately. So right. I would say check their phones. 
Keep them at night. No phones, no laptops, no TVs in their rooms. Be aware of what they're watching and what they're listening to. Mm -hmm. And you can start to help guide them into the young adult that you want them to become. Because right. the goal is not to say, okay, great, you're 18, you graduated, you're on your own, but the goal is to help shape them into the young adult that you want them to become. Right. And Pastor always says, you're not done until they're well-educated and well-married. Yes. And putting a device in a young person's hand when they're fully not developed in their brain just leads to all kinds of problems. Right. And they spend more time with you than they do in church. So make sure that you're just on top of that area. It's just an unknown area now that is so scary. Right. But I would say in the home, for those that are having issues with their teenagers, don't be afraid to talk with your teenagers because they're, they're, most of them are silent. I know I was a silent teenager. But then my dad always says that, he always told tells my husband this about our girls, is there'll come a point where she'll pop in, she popped in my office, sat down, just looked at me and would start talking about her life her friends, who she's dating, and he would think, I just started something. I just started looking at this or reading this or working on a message. And he said, I tells my husband, I would close my laptop, I'd put my phone down, and I would look at her and think, she's actually communicating with me, my teenage daughter. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage you to stop what you're doing and yeah. just give them those moments of undivided attention. Because with teens, you don't know when you're going to get that back. You know, and it's so important, uh, moms, for you to be the mom. You're not the um, landlord. You're not the hotel concierge. You're not the uh, restaurant operator in the home. You're mother. And we're talking about being a woman that's brave-hearted and courageous. And I know, because I did it, there's nothing more frightening Forget about a two-year-old. There's nothing more frightening than a teenager. When they're uncommunicative or you know, you know something's up and, you know, but my, my way of handling that as a mother was I love you with all my heart. I would give my life for you. So that, therefore, gives me access into every part of your life your spirit, your soul, and your body. And that means I'm, I can know everything about you. I can know everything in your bedroom. I can know who you're talking to. I can know who you're dating. And I, I have that right because I'm you're the mother and uh, you're in my home and you have not been launched from the mothership yet. Right. So uh, <laughs> because I love you and, my, and part of my job as mom is to not just love you and feed you and clothe you and send you out the door to school or to work or whatever. My Part of my job is to protect you. And as long as you're in my home, that's a big part of my job. Mm -hmm. And that means protecting you from anyone or anything that would hurt you or bring you harm. And don't just hope that they turn out okay because they you bring them to church or you right. put them it's in the enough. youth group or you bring them to St. Paul's. It's not enough. Mm -hmm. And it's not enough in today's world. Check their text messages. Check the social media apps. Learn how to use them. If you, even if you hate that part, it just yeah. if you're giving them access to those things and do 
random cell phone checks. Someone told me that this week. You know, before, if you say at 10 o'clock that phone has to be in my room, they're deleting everything that they don't want you to see or they're hiding it. They can do, they can hide apps now. And so I would say, you know, walk up, give me that phone. And if there's a hesitation there, then you know you have something that you just have to handle. And like Pastor Sue said, she's mom. And she would always tell me that. I would give my life for you. But I'm your mom and I love you. You know, Pastor talks about proactive parenting. So you want to be proactive. You want to be on guard. You want to be prayed up. And you want to be ready. But you're not there to be their best friend. Right. And you're there to love them and instruct them. That's instruct it. Them. And mothers, when you do the hard thing, the magic moment of life, I assure you, will come. When they're whatever, 23, 24, 25, and they'll look at you and they'll say, thank you, Mom, because I understand now why you did what you did. And I'm so glad that you did what you did for me. You know, um, I dated someone, <clears throat> and I was in my 20s, and I brought him home to meet my parents, lived in Missouri, brought him home to meet my parents, and for this is for all the young girls tonight, and, you know, um, he was a pastor's kid, raised in church, going to be a youth pastor, and, um, you know, he had me thinking that he was a really nice guy, um, I know, like I said, I was in my 20s, waiting for my turn, doing the bridesmaid thing, and um, seeing my friends get married and start to have babies. So I thought, wow, I've met this really nice guy. He treats me nice, you know, so far so good. Um, we dated a few months, decided to bring him home to meet my parents. And he did not like my parents. So, uh, you know, like my dad always jokes about, who doesn't like Pastor Sue? Like, if, right. you know, if you meet her and you don't like her. And, uh, and when she brought him, it was for a weekend, so he would be in church with us. And Christina went to stay with Austin and Jessica for the weekend, and he stayed with me and Pastor in our house. It's good times. Because you know what? You've been going out with our daughter, and Pastor had flown up before they started dating and met him, talked with him. You know, he answered the questions. But when he came and he stayed with us that weekend, my spirit was troubled. But you know what? I was so nice to him. I had the guest room all made up for him. I cooked him a breakfast with bacon, sausages, <laughs> eggs, toast, everything. And, you know, go ahead, finish it. Well, <laughs> yes. So um, he just wasn't content. And I knew in my spirit, I knew. And I, you know, girls, you see your life pass before you. And it was like God spoke to me and said, here is a crossroads in your life. And you have a choice. You have a choice to either live for me and believe me to bring the right man that would love you and love your family and be a blessing to you, or you can go with this young man, but you would live a life that is just not going to be what you want. And my mom drove us to the airport, and we were at the airport. And I mean, the way that he spoke to me, I didn't ever tell my parents, but I was like, that is a facade. 
the whole I love Jesus moment that we had in the, in the airport, there was no Jesus in the way that he spoke to me. And girls, I will tell you that I looked at him and was like, that's fine. I don't need you. And, you know, it was an awkward airplane ride home. <laughs> but be brave. Be brave-hearted girls to say, I don't need you. You're dating. You're not married. And don't be unequally yoked. Someone can say they love Jesus, and they have a heart issue. And he had a heart issue. He did not respect authority. And he was not going to respect authority. And his version was, you can come with me and live my life, but you cannot see them. Can and you imagine? I mean, I'm sure it was entertaining for all the people Forget at the airport. about Braveheart. I would have put on a kilt and a sword. <laughs> and uh, wouldn't have needed any backup. I'll tell you that right now. So you be brave in those moments, girls, whether it's try he's trying to get something from you physically, emotionally, a power play, you know, don't forget who you are in Christ. And just because you're in your 20s or your late 20s or your early 30s, it's not worth it. Right. See yourself as deserving more because yeah. God sees you as deserving more. Right. And don't, don't think that you deserve less. No, don't settle. And don't settle. I do want to say this, moms, even if, and I've seen sometimes this is the case, and I want to say this, really gently, but even if in your life you did life wrong up until you met Jesus later in life, but now that you know the Lord and you've got these kids you're raising and these teens in your home, you need to reflect and think, well, how would I have done my life if I had known Jesus as a, as a young person or a young, a young woman? and then teach that to your daughters, teach that to your sons, how to do life knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior. And have those conversations with them. Yes. Tell them in the ways that you would live life differently had you known Jesus. Right. Because teenagers are so smart, they know more than we ever think yes. that they do about our lives. Yes. Yeah. But put your expectations out there. Pastor, when we were dating, would always say the date has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah. And if you were late for curfew, you lost the car keys. And they would explain to us what they expected of us dating physically. You have to go over those things with your teenagers. Otherwise, they are just going to do whatever they think is okay. Or whatever their friends tell them they're doing. Yes. And you hold them accountable so that they learn to hold themselves accountable. I told this to the um, youth group, and I 100% believe that. After that, my dad, my brother, both encouraged me to stay in school, finish that degree, stay there, and my dad always said, I expect you to be in church and serving in church while getting your degree, and that is the only reason, the only way possible I met Derek was because I was serving and helping out, and a supervisor of mine in the kids' areas kept pointing me out to him, and you know, like I told uh, the young people, Derek, um, did his background check on me, like always, because that's who he is. Social media and, you know, everything that he could find out on his own. And, you know, just kind of before he'd even come and talk to me. But, you know, girls don't settle for less. And moms instill encouragement, yeah. the love of God, strong instruction, and stay prayed up so yeah. that 
they know that if they're serving God and they're living for God and they're not putting up with creeps, that God will fill that void. Yes. Because their story should be better than yours. Mm -hmm. And their story should be one right. that's full of God's love. Right. Because that's, isn't that part of the heart of a mom, since it's Mother's Day weekend, that we want our children blessed and we want more for them than we have at their age. So uh, that, that's part of the love of God and it's part of the love of God in our hearts as mothers and that we want more for our children. And so as we wrap this up, our third point is, remember who your enemy really is. Say, who's my enemy? Who's my enemy? Well, it's the devil, and he's real, and his name is Satan or Beelzebub, and there, he's got several other names listed in the Bible. But, you know, we need to know who the enemy is, see? Because in this account with Abigail, this brave-hearted woman, this uh, gal that had all this courage and righteousness and wisdom, uh, Nabal really wasn't the enemy. And that's what we're going to look at as we conclude. And we're going to pick up here in 1 Samuel 25, verses 36 and following. When Abigail went to Nabal, he was in the house holding a banquet like that of a king. See, he finished the sheep shearing. He sent David's men off with nothing. And he thought, okay, now we're going to party. And sure he was. He was in high spirits and very drunk. Say very drunk. Very drunk. What a guy. So she told him nothing until daybreak. Then in the morning when Nabal was sober, his wife told him all these things, and his heart failed him, and he became like a stone. About ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. So when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Praise be to the Lord who has upheld my cause against Nabal for treating me with contempt. He has kept his servant from doing wrong and has brought Nabal's wrongdoing down on his own head. Then David sent word to Abigail, asking her to become his wife. His servants went to Carmel and said to Abigail, David has sent us to you to take you to become his wife. She bowed down with her face to the ground and said, Here is your maidservant ready to serve you and wash the feet of my master's servants. Abigail quickly got on a donkey and attended by her five maids, went with David's messengers and became his wife. So Nabal wasn't the enemy, but he was a foolish and surly man. And so Satan was able to use him. And uh, to the detriment of everyone, except for the fact that his wife was intelligent and wise and beautiful, and she acted in courage, and she did what was necessary to avert a disaster. You know, John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So Satan, the enemy of our souls, is the thief. And he's the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we have life and have it more abundantly, other translations say, or have life to the full. So the moral of the story, gals, is people may be problematic, but our only enemy is Satan. Say, Satan is the only one, Satan is the only one. that I need to make run. Remember that in dealing with people. So Abigail didn't do anything to Nabal. Nabal did what Nabal did to himself. And God took care of her and took care of everybody there that was innocent. 
Our God has us covered. Say, my God has me covered. Psalm 56, verses 3 through 4 says, When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? And that's why it's so important to go to the word of God. Because sometimes circumstances are scary. We cannot deny that. But then we go to the word of God, and it tells us, when I am afraid, I will trust in you and God whose words I praise and God I trust. I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? And because we are God's handmaidens, we are God's daughters, we are the daughters of the living God, he protects us, he provides for us, he loves us, he saves us, he heals us, he delivers us. And he is our Guard. He sends his angels to go in front and behind and on either side of us to guard us. To, the Bible says to lift us up in their hands so we will not even dash our foot against a stone. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 21 to 35 says, My son or my daughter, preserve sound judgment and discernment. Do not let them out of your sight. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Say, I will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being snared. Do not withhold good. This is Abigail. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back later. I'll give it to you tomorrow when you now have it with you. Do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. Do not accuse a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a violent man or choose any of his ways. For the Lord detests a perverse man but takes the upright into his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. He mocks proud mockers but gives grace to the humble. The wise inherit honor, but fools he holds up to shame. So as we wrap this up, you know, Abigail found herself in the circumstances she was in. In that time period, in that culture, marriages were very much arranged between parents and other parents, and marriages were arranged based on finances and all kinds of things relationships, finances, land, and all of that. And so she found herself in a mismatched marriage. She was a smart, kind, wise woman married to a fool. But she dealt with it, and she lived it out. And she looked to the Lord, and God helped her through it. You know, we all have a choice. We can be wise, and we can be courageous, and we can be brave-hearted like Abigail, full of God's wisdom and righteousness and choose to live right. Or we can be like Nabal. We can be a fool. We can be immoral or angry or foolish. You know, life gives us these choices. Nobody can make uh, anybody act or live a certain way. Christina uh, is married. She has her own home. She has her own children. I have no say anymore. I mean, I'm her mother. If she asks me a question, I will tell her the answer. 
what I really think. And, but, you know, she lives her life, and I praise God that she chooses to live her life for God, that she chooses to worship God, to, to see that her children are in church. She chooses to, to be a Christian wife to her husband and to be that, that righteous, godly wife in the home. But it's her choice. She's all grown up now. She's not under my roof anymore. She's not under my auspices. So she has all the freedom in the world to, to live life and to live it to the full. And she's chosen it to live it the Jesus way, the abundant life, as has Jessica, to live life the abundant way, the Jesus life. And we, we make that choice. And I want to say something about Nabal. I don't think it's too much since... Maybe I've already been a little too much tonight. But, uh, you know, Nabal, Nabal was really a fool because he never knew his wife. Mm -hmm. Because the Bible says she wasn't just beautiful, but she was intelligent and she had good judgment. She was God-fearing, but he never knew her. Now, he had sex with her. She was his wife. But he stayed the way he was. And in a marriage, in a Christian marriage, that's not supposed to happen. Because a husband and a wife should become one flesh. And that means in spirit, not just flesh, but in spirit and soul. And they should influence each other. So in a Christian marriage, my husband should influence me, and I should be able to influence him. So we should all, both of us, change for the better. But Nabal never did that. He, he never changed, and he never knew his wife's spirit or soul. He might have seen that she was a good woman, and that she was intelligent, and that she had good judgment, but he never let it affect him who he was. So it was a true unequal yoking. Uh, in character, but because his behavior shows that she was never really loved by him, I want to encourage all you young girls who have life all ahead of you still to really be wise like Abigail, because in our culture and in this century, uh, nobody else will determine who you marry but you, and so be wise and choose an equal yoking, and choose someone who deserves you. Choose someone who deserves you. Don't settle for less. And I'm gonna jump in with one more point for our young girls. I was able to end that relationship when I knew he was not the person that I thought I'd been dating immediately because I had not been physical with him. And I think that sometimes the apprehension with girls, you get physical, you get emotional, you become yoked mm -hmm. when God did not intend it for us to be physical like that outside of marriage. So hold yourselves to a higher expectation. Have more for your future. And mothers, be very clear with your daughters on your past and what you desire for them. That if they don't get connected physically, dating, they have more of the clear-minded thinking of, you're not the right one for me. God yes. has better for me. Yeah. And no matter mistakes, moving forward, hold yourself to a higher standard. Yes. 
He'll treat you better. And the right man will come along and will be like, I'm going to marry you, like, soon. That's how Derek was. I mean, it was months. And he was asking my dad to marry me. The right man will marry you. The wrong man will say, come to bed with me. The right man will say, I'm going to marry that girl. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So, so good, so important that we value ourselves as, as God's gals, as godly young women. We value ourselves as women, women of God and that, you know, if I value myself, then the only person that's going to want to be around me is someone who will value me because nobody else could get close. And so, so important, so important. Well, were you blessed by the word this evening? We're gonna gonna take a minute, let's all stand as we conclude, let's all stand, because I wanna just give a moment for prayer. And it's easier to do this, I think, if everybody's standing, people feel more comfortable. And let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for all of these women here tonight. Uh, of every age, I pray that you would bless them, bless them in their homes, bless them in their families, bless them in their finances, bless them in their goals, and bless them in their physical bodies. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, anybody here or anybody here who has a loved one in their home who has a serious or um, a concerning illness, a growth, a tumor, something that they are dealing with in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We curse any growth, any tumor. We curse cancer in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And we speak to these people, to their flesh and blood bodies, and we say, be healed tonight in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And we thank you, Father, for your word is true. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have provided not just salvation, but healing for those of us who know you and call upon you. And we receive it now by faith. And everyone said, amen. And as heads are bowed, if there's anyone here tonight and you would say, Pastor Sue, I would like an opportunity tonight to commit my life to the Lord Jesus Christ because I have not done that previous and I know tonight that I really know in my heart tonight's the night for me and I want to pray a prayer committing my life to the Lord or perhaps you've done that before but you've not really been living for the Lord and you want to recommit your life tonight if that's you tonight raise your hand wherever you're standing and we're going to take a moment to pray together this evening well for those who uh, who may be watching this live stream or for those who will watch it later let's all pray this prayer pray after me father in Jesus name I ask that you would forgive me of all my sins I thank you that your word says that when I repent you remove my sins from my life and you wash them away you remove them from me as far as the east is from the west And I thank you that it's done. And I commit myself to read your word, to be in church, to hear your word, to live a life honoring your word. And I invite your Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit of God, come into my heart. 
Baptize me afresh and anew with the gift of the Spirit and speaking in tongues so that I can be renewed daily with the power of God. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.